Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. For years, Clayton Oliver has been at the top of the scoring tree for Supercoach, for Dream Team, AFL Fantasy, and right near the top of some of the most owned player in those formats. However, not a lot of love for Clayton in this preseason, and understandable so given the amount of questions. But is he relevant? You bet he is. Hey, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you are. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant, where I look at who I believe are the most relevant and important players to consider and have conversations about this 2024 fantasy footy preseason. Joining me on this episode as he has right throughout the 50, and you'll get to see and hear plenty of him more throughout the 2024 season proper. It's Mini Monk. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. How about you? I never asked that. I'm doing okay. Thank you so much. I'm doing really well, actually. That's true. Uh, Let's dive into Clayton Oliver because there's a fascinating bunch of things we've got to talk about him. If we look back at his 2023 season, both in-season and then the off-season, really didn't go the way Clary had hoped. From a super coach perspective, though, still scored really, really well in the limited games that he did play. 120.6 is that average, 10 tons, a top score of 164 and a career high against a club that people thought he might even have got traded to at some point, 205. Yep, he's a part of the 200 club against the Adelaide Crows. While in AFL Fantasy, a seasonal average of 113.6, made up of 11 tons, 149 was his top score in 2023, just narrowly, really a goal away from his career high score of 162. In AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, he's a part of the Million Dollar Club. There's only a you know a little bit more than a handful of players across those two formats that's priced at that seven-figure mark. He is in that space. While in Supercoach, one of the most expensive players in the game, 674000 Mini Monk, he's the kind of player that 2023, 2022, 2021, especially this sort of three-year window, He's the type of player when he's sat in your fantasy side, you kind of get that small moment where you feel like a Melbourne supporter because you just know he's going to be near the ball. If his team's looking for the ball to be won in a tight stoppage situation, you know he's going to bulldoze his way in and win contested possessions, take away with clearances. You know if Melbourne's on the rebound and surging forward, you know he's going to be using some of that elite gut running to get into space to create an uncontested mark and an uncontested possession. He's just such a fun player to watch. And if you own him in fantasy, whether it's the vice captaincy, the captaincy, or he's unique in a head-to-head matchup, you always feel like you've got the winning edge if you're a Clayton Oliver owner. And you feel like you've had the winning edge for not just those last three years, not just 2023, 22, 21, but since his second year, since 2017, he has averaged over a ton, except in the COVID year. And obviously you can do your scaling for that in AF if you'd like. But we're talking a guy with the most fantasy pedigree probably in the game at the moment across formats. Like you can make an argument for someone like Zach Merritt in AFL Fantasy or someone like Neil or Bontempelli in Supercoach. But the player that has both, the player that can be at the top of the tree for AFL Fantasy and for Supercoach and has done it for, you know, eight years now, seven years, is Clayton Oliver. He's a great player. He's a great player who knows how to score. He 
did it last year. Like you said, he played 12 games, 13, 10 times yeah, in yeah. Supercoach, yeah, 11 in, in AF. Like it's it's good numbers. Like he knows how to find the pill and he's done it for the last three years going at a 110 marker across the formats. But as you say, there's a very good reason why coaches are not picking him at the moment. And, you know, there's a lot of speculation going on. I'm not going to go into that realm, sure. but it, it's just hard. It's very hard for a coach to be confident that he's going to be there for round zero, round one at this stage. And so it's very hard to pick him in your selection side. But as you've stated, and as we state all the time in the 50 most relevant, a player's relevance isn't defined just by whether you're picking him to start the season or not. It's defined by whether he's going to be relevant at some point in the season. And for a player that's shown that he can be the top scorer in AFL fantasy dream team and super coach, he has to be in the 50 and he has to be a player that there's a conversation that's had about. Absolutely. At one point last year, pre-injury, we'll talk about that injury in a moment. He was the must-have player. People in AFL fantasy and so much, all the games you could argue are about value, but certainly AFL fantasy, there's a higher volume of interaction around you must get value with every option. People were blowing that ideology out the window going, I've got to get Oliver. I've got to find a way to get him because that average of 113.6 for the season looks great. But before the injury, He's gone and he got injured in the game and he still played it out and and went, well, 118.7 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and 124 in Supercoach. So already there's about five points per game of value because when he did come back, you might go, oh, he struggled to come back from the hamstring injury. He, He didn't. He had one tag from Finn McGuinness. He's not the first or the last player that has found scoring on Finn a little bit difficult. But he's still smashing out tons along the way. So don't look for the narrative of, oh, he struggled after the injury. He wasn't quite right. No, there's multiple tons, 120-plus scores upon return. I think in AFL finals, he goes 123 in AF and 139 in Supercoach. So, so eliminate that narrative from your mind. He was top four average last year in AFL fantasy. Only Marshall, Bont, and English averaged more than him. And in Supercoach, he was one of only three players to go 120 plus. That was Bont and English. We could go on and on about this scoring pedigree of the guy. We, we could spend the next 10 minutes, but I don't feel like we need to because if we didn't have the questions that we have about Clary that we do, and I, I want to not unpack them, but just make sure we're aware of why there's not a lot of interaction and conversation about him if you kind of tune out a footy in October, November. It's pretty hard, to be honest, given the amount of coverage Clayton got. But um, this is plain and simple, isn't it, Mini Monk? When he plays, he is at the elite end of premiums for us. He's a captaincy and vice-captaincy option almost every week, and he's in the top handful of scorers, not just in his line, but across the format when he plays. And he's also a player that's shown that he's relatively injury-proof. Prior to this year... He really hasn't missed games. 22 games in his second year, 22 in his third, 22 in his fourth, 17 in the COVID-affected year where there was only 17 games you could play, 22, 21, and then this year it's down to 13. So injury-affected narrative, just pushed to the side. It's not really one that really exists. And he's shown, as you said, that his ceiling exists when he's come back from that injury. And yes, there's that McGuinness-affected game in that. That was his only sub-ton in AFL Fantasy for the year. And it was only his second Supercoach sub-ton for the year as well. 
And the only other game that he went sub ton, he went 98. <laughs> this is a guy that has the ceiling. He has 120, 130, 140. He has 200 built into him in Supercoach. So yeah, he's an entirely relevant player. But, you know, there's the narrative around him that's going on in the media. We're just going yep. to try and avoid that because it's not necessary to, to have that conversation here. But I think even if he was a player that we had confidence he was going to start round zero or play round one in, it would still be very hard to start him. Yeah. It'd still be a player that you'd have a few question marks about. You know, he's got the elevated price. Is he going to be coming back the same player? Are we going to be able to get the same returns out of him? But I think there's a lot of merit to be had. It's thinking about when can you trade into him? When can you be looking to bring him in? Because if we look at what Melbourne has, they have the round six buy. Yes. And then they have the round 15 buy. So a player that you're probably not starting with from Melbourne you're probably not wanting to trade into before that round six buy. Otherwise you're trading in for two buys straight away. And that feels a bit, a bit suspicious. I wouldn't really do that. Uh, especially at the, the top block. end of his price point. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But for someone who's a midfielder that can be top eight, having that round 15 buy is lovely. You can just trade into them. You've got your top eight midfielder locked away and you can pivot for the other buys if you need to. If he doesn't quite fit the bill of what you're wanting, you flick him at the round 15 buy. But the run that they have between round uh, seven and round 15 is just so good. Like it's just exactly what you want to see for an inside midfielder as well. They've got Richmond, Geelong, Carlton, West Coast, St. Kilda, Fremantle, and then a toughish game against Collingwood. But like, it's not bad. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I should say, yes, there's around 14, but I've somehow got that wrong in my head. That's okay. But in, an, in any matter, that's a really, really soft run for inside midfielders, especially for someone who can find the peel on the inside and on the outside. So I think if you're looking for where his relevance is going to be, it's going to be in the middle of upgrade season. Yeah. It's going to be when you're trying to find the top of the tree players that come in a little bit discounted from what we know that they can do. And we want to jump onto those players because those are the players that really make the difference when you're trying to get to a completed squad as fast as you can. I think with so much unknown about him and where he is at at the moment and just the Melbourne Football Club in general, and I want to get your thoughts on on the premise that Clayton doesn't play early. He's not been ruled out, if anything. It, there's nothing um, that's really coming out from the club, which means you know what, Let, let's protect this man's privacy a little bit. If the club are being intentionally quiet on a bunch of different things, they're giving us information. Yes, he left pre-season training camps and things like that. But the reality is um, there's been so much talk about him in the off-season. When the club are going quiet on a player, I always choose to respect that and not to delve into innuendo and rumour about that. So there's nothing to say he won't play from opening round at, at time of recording. There's nothing that the club have said he's not playing. They've just said, he just needs a little bit of time. Let's respect that as a community. We all understand um, that's really important to do. So even if he plays opening round, I'm with you. I just don't know how I can jump that. Given the off-season that he's had, I I I'd rather just leave that alone. I want to watch, see, 
having that round six buy almost justifies the ability to just leave him alone a little bit. So if you're like, I don't know, but he's going to be a gun. He's got round six buy. Let that be the narrative that talks you out of why you start him. But as you said, from upgrade season, if he's in the team playing well, fully fit and healthy, how do you not find a pathway to get Clayton Oliver? When you get to the end of the season, you want this guy in your team for as many available weeks as possible. So he's on our upgrade watch and Mini Monk's just done a beautiful job at articulating. If you can control the timeline of when and where that is, there's a really juicy eight weeks there or so from a fixture perspective using 2023 data that says he should be prime Clary at that time. Let's run the assumption he's missing a few games though. Yeah. Who do you think this benefits in the Melbourne lineup? And then consequently for us in a fantasy community, where might we gain some upside? Knowing full well that when Clary returns, we likely see that roll and midfield mix regress and change and potentially cost us another trade. Who do you see as the winners if Clayton misses? And again, like I want to really be clear and stipulate, nothing from the club is saying he's missing games of football. Rather, he's just taken a little bit of a step back this preseason. So how do you see that playing out for us? I think it's going to play out fairly similar to how it played out during 2023. You know, we've got a 10-week sample size of data to show what Melbourne would do when Clayton Oliver isn't there. It's that Viney basically gets a small bump, Petrarca gets a small bump, Sparrow gets a small bump, and Gus Brayshaw becomes the one that moves inside a bit more. And so I, I expect that that's what's going to happen. You know, we expect Brayshaw to probably get maybe 50 to 60% CBAs. We expect Viney to go from 70% to 80% CBAs. We expect... Petrarca to go from 60% to, you know, mid 70%. And we expect Sparrow to go from 30, 40% to anywhere between 50 and 60, 70%, depending on the game. I think those are the four winners and they, they tend to run a fairly tight midfield brigade brigade rather. Um, they don't really rotate a lot of players through that midfield as much as a lot of other teams do. And if you've got a stable core that works and clearly did work for them during that middle portion of the season, I think you probably just go straight back to that. Yeah. Oh, I'm in agreement. Look, Clayton's the kind of guy, let, let's just call it, when he's fit, we want him. While yeah. he's out, Mini Monk's nailed. Who are the guys that are going to get a roll bump and potentially a scoring bump from that? I think Petrarca does loom as a really interesting one through that period. And when you put that alongside of a, a McAdam coming to the team, a Billings, who we talked about a little bit about the forward woes of Melbourne earlier in the 50 most relevant when we had Jack Billings inside the 50, we unpacked that thought. You do start to go, okay, Petrarca now might be a little bit more intriguing. If any information comes out that he will miss significant chunks of the season proper, well, now Petrarca maybe jumps up your kind of rankings a little bit of, do I get a strong surging start? Because he's as consistent as a hundred plus scoring player as you get. If he's in the mids, you probably think that ceiling might bump up a little bit too. So Clayton for me is fascinating. And is he relevant? Yes. Why? There's every chance he plays opening round. Nothing from the club that says he doesn't. If he's missing, his relevancy impacts other players that might be really important to us in the 50 most relevant and how we start our teams. And even if he does miss some early games, you're going to want to get on Clayton as soon as he gets back mm. at the earliest available time you can justify and afford it because he's one of the best fantasy players we've got going around. 
yeah, you're going to want him in Classic at some point in 2024. The question is when, not if. Draft becomes interesting for me, though, Minimunk. So much depends on when your draft day is and ultimately the amount of information that's come out from the club. Historically, he'd be a first-round pick across the formats with with pretty much without question. You just go Clayton Oliver, and then the question is, where's your first-rounder and when you're getting him? What's your take? It's so hard to be able to know in the middle of January how people should drop. What's your take on how people should approach Clayton Oliver on draft day? Yeah, look, as you say, it's a when because information becomes king with these sorts of things. Clayton Oliver has the potential to be the number one averaging player across formats, if not the number one scoring player, should he play in round zero. That makes it very hard to be able to draft him without knowing when a return date is because if it is round zero then you could have confidence to be able to draft him in the first round or maybe at the start of the second round if you're a little bit less bullish. But I think someone would probably take him in the first round. Yeah. But if we get word from the club that it's, you know, five, six, seven weeks, I think you've just got to have a bit of faith in your drafting ability. You know, have you got the ability to be able to pick up these players that can cover for his score at a high enough level? Are you good at being able to rotate players in off the bench and play the waiver wire? How much do you trust in your ability to do that? And I think that that would dictate how early you can take him. I think if he's missing, say, the first five or six weeks, I would probably be looking to take him around about the fourth round. I think that that's a nice sweet spot for someone who can have that 110, 115, 120 ability without overall hampering your squad too much in those early rounds and bleeding too many early games to mean that you miss finals. Yeah, and you just nailed it. Simply protect the pick with another pick, you you draft an extra two mids more than you like. You fade your forward ranks down a round or two further and you just get extra protection through there so that worst case scenario, you don't see him for, as you mentioned, quarter of the season, a third of the season, you're protected. Best case scenario, mm. you've beefed up a line that it's hardest to get the top end mids. We know the waiver wires through the mids can be a little bit tricky at times to get 90 plus consistency scoring out of barring an injury or a suspension coming. So I'm with you. I think it's a really nice strategic way of playing it. Minimark, appreciate your work today as we've unpacked the potential of Clayton Oliver, the impacts you'll have for us and the really great analysis around targeting when we should be looking to get him in our fantasy sides this year. It's been a good conversation. I can't wait to see Clayton Oliver back in action sometime in 2024. Yeah, me too. If you want to check out the article that goes alongside this episode, you can go and find that at coachespanel.tv. All the players we've revealed so far have an article there, as well as a bunch of other strategy content that will drop as we get deeper into the preseason of 2024. If you love what you're getting from these podcasts in an audio space, subscribe, share it with a friend, tell them about the Coaches Panel and the conversations we're having in the 50 Most Relevant, and leave a five-star rating and review. It's a simple 30-second thing you can do that helps us uh, get people knowing about the coaches panel. Who knows? If you make a review, I might even read it out in one of the episodes of the 50 Most Relevant and give you a shout-out. In 30 seconds, i got a little clue about who's coming up for you tomorrow. But if you want to support the coaches panel and the work you're getting with the articles, the videos, the podcasts, and the conversations happening right across social media, could I encourage you to join the Patreon for as little as $2 a month. Our tiers start right up to that premium tier level. There is a ton of rewards that you get for being involved in our Patreon group. 
hidden group access, extra content, extra conversation elements, and a bunch of other rewards. You can see the tier that's right for you and the breakout and premium tiers. They actually get the audio podcasts of the 50 24 hours early in the off-season. They get a bunch of in-season rewards too, by the way. So jump on into that. All the links for how you can join our Patreon, where you can follow us on social media, and everything you need to know about the Coaches Panel is found in the description of this episode. So who's tomorrow in the 50 most relevant? He's one of the most reliable players we've had for a really long time. His scoring deviation, it ain't bad. Every single week you come with this guy in your team, you know that his floor is almost unparalleled in fantasy football. And when the time comes to turn on a 130 and a 140, it's right within his scope. He's one of the most relevant and consistent players in fantasy footy now for the past four seasons. And as we enter into a new year, there's a pathway where early on, this guy could be the number one scorer in his line up until his team's second buy round. Who is this player? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant. <laughs>